Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Laura Rankler. And I'm Kim Crumbly. And together we are Counselor Accents. I feel like we have a celebrity. We do. In the world of counseling. We do have a celebrity with us. We have Amelia Piper, and she is the executive director for the Pennsylvania School Counselors Association. She has been the Pennsylvania School Counselor of the Year. Is that correct? Yeah, just this past year, actually. Yes. <laughs> so we're in the congratulations. We're in the thank you. Greatness, Kim. <laughs> I, I know. It's like I want to touch my computer screen and just glean some of the wisdom from her. No, no. <laughs> I want her to be my new partner, and you please move out of the way. <laughs> Me and her will do this. <laughs> because how many times have I been counselor of the year, Laura? <laughs> well, um, fingers crossed. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. Kim, she is going to be um, talking about one of the things that is close to our hearts today. This is something that you and I, this is a soapbox we get on frequently. And she's going to step right up here on the soapbox with us. And when I talked to her, I got chill bumps. So I am. She did. She called me and she said, I talked to her and I, I've got chill bumps. She said she <laughs> is talking our talk and, and, and she's talking our language. And she said it was just so exciting to talk to you. So I'm excited to get to hear some of this. Yeah. Sure. So she's going to be talking to us today about leadership and how school counselors are leaders and how that how that helps us advocate for our program. So Amelia, before I just tell everything that you're going to talk about, why don't I turn it over to you and you tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh gosh, well thank you. Um, I'm not sure where to start. How about uh, <laughs> I um, have been a high school counselor for 25 years. I just started my 26th year a couple weeks ago. It's, it's yeah, it's really hard to believe. Um, so in these past 25 years, I've I've done a lot of things within the school counseling profession. I've, you know, I started out with my local association, which is the Allegheny County School Counselors Association. I was on their board for a little while. Um, and then I moved up to the state association in Pennsylvania. So I, I did everything. I started out on um, their uh, sponsorships committee for their conference. I was secretary. I was a um, unit rep and then I was the conference chair and then you know finally after all of that um, someone said to me you know you should run for president and I was like really I didn't think I was president material I really didn't um, so it took other people to, to point that out to me um, so then um, July 1st 2014 I took over as president of the Pennsylvania School Counselor Association I went through that, um, you know, I was president and then after I served as past president, then I decided to run for the ASCA board and, and I actually um, was elected the first time that I ran, which was kind of amazing. Again, I was totally caught off guard. I, I really did not feel like a school counselor leader, but I, I guess I was and I just kind of rolled right into that position. So I served on the ASCA board for three years. 
And then um, after that, then this position came open as executive director and I said, well, um, why not? I'll, I'll apply for it. I really don't think I'll get it. And then July 1st, here I am. So wow. yeah, I, um, I, I still have trouble thinking of myself as a leader, but I mean, apparently I, I am. I, I've served in all these leadership positions. And, you know, sometimes I think maybe that's um, part of being a leader is that you don't really feel that you are this person that's in charge and telling everybody else what to do. It's more a matter of being passionate about something and out of that passion just naturally comes, you know, the leadership part of it. Um, Kim, and, I hope you heard what she just said. <laughs> I hope you heard that. You don't have to tell people you're a leader. Stop! Go stop! Uh, and yeah, really, you are you are speaking our language because yeah. um, we we feel passionately that a leader it's more about the attributes that you're bringing mm -hmm. rather than I am the boss and it's exactly. that person that can bring collaboration and thoughts and that mm -hmm. equity to a situation and it sounds like. And also, um, it hit me, Laura, the steps, you know, that mm -hmm. she, I was this, I was this, mm -hmm. and I was this. So I think it's really important for school counselors that are starting out to start taking on roles and responsibilities yes. because you're not going to go, you're not going to be a counselor the first year and then the second year executive director. Exactly. You, worked, <laughs> you worked for that and you built that up. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think that's so important for new counselors to, to get involved and uh, take on leadership responsibilities to, to learn. Uh, you know, you learned a lot, I'm sure, over the years that it's helping you now in mm -hmm. this executive director role that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was all the relationships that I formed along the way. And so I knew that no matter what I decided I wanted to go into, I would be supported, that there would be people behind me that had my back and they were all this wonderful group of school counselors. And really, that's, that's the reason why I wanted to get involved in the first place is just you know, as school counselors, a lot of times we just operate in these, you know, isolated offices and you know, you might be the only school counselor in your building, sometimes maybe for three buildings. And it is really hard to um, find someone who understands what you're going through and just kind of gets it. Um, so I started going to these local meetings and meeting a bunch of other great school counselors. And, and when I would hear them um, talk about, you know, some of the issues that they're going through, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one, you know? Um, so that's why I, I really wanted to be involved because I needed um, to be around my people, you know, and to, to get support from others that, you know, teachers are great. And, and I have a lot of really good friends who are teachers that I work with, but they just don't always get it. So being with other school counselors, that's what I wanted to do. I really did. So I think that's what we all want to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We hope so. We hope that's your why is, 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 is why yep. we go into this because it is, we face challenges that like you said, nobody else may understand exactly what we're going through as school counselors. And the, and the role is so uh, different than anything mm -hmm. else in school. You really have to be a little bit of everything um, 
to be. But I think Laura and I have been surprised at the amount of counselors who've been doing it, doing this for years who don't see themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, that's been kind of our podium is you are a leader automatically. <laughs> I just said it. I mean, it's in like the first sentence or the first paragraph of the preamble. We are leaders. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it's not yeah. an option. Right. But it's not usually our personality type. I don't know if that makes sense. That like is, we, that does make sense. You know, we're helpers. We go into this profession because we want to help kids and we're really, really good at advocating for our students. But when it comes to advocating for ourselves and our roles, that doesn't come so naturally. Like we're not the type to, to boast and talk about what we do all the time, you know? But unfortunately, the, the nature of our roles is we have to do that, you mm -hmm. know? Because a lot of times, like you said, our roles are, they're so different everywhere. You know, even the, the school down the street, the school counselor might do something different than I do, you know? So we have to speak up for ourselves and, and for our profession. And I think by doing that, you naturally become a leader or you're naturally um, just kind of honing your leadership skills because you have to. You, you have to stand up and speak in front of people. You have to become really good at um, analyzing your data and being able to tell people what you do and show people what you do. So I think just all of that, that's all part of being a leader. It really is, you know. So you, you made a very interesting point. You talked about how it's not our nature to boast, and you're absolutely right. However, we do have to do the things that you were talking about. We do have to share our data. We do have to um, advocate for our program. So mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone that has a hard time with bragging on themselves mm -hmm. or sees it as bragging on themselves and has a hard time with that? Well, I would say probably a good place to start to start to get practice is um, by having an advisory council meeting, just getting a, an advisory council together of people that you know support you, parents, teachers, you know, your administrator, and um, just start with that and start my very, very, very first advisory council meeting. Um, I just kind of showed, well, here's what school counselors are supposed to be doing. And here's kind of what I'm doing. And then, you know, does that really match well? Yes or no. Um, and if it doesn't, then why doesn't it? And what should I be doing more of? And ultimately, you know, I'm there to help my students. And if they're not being helped, then I need to figure out how to do a better job of that. And hey, that's why I'm bringing you in advisory council to give me feedback. And nine times out of 10, that feedback is always positive, always. They're always surprised to find out how much we do, first of all, and second of all, the different kinds of things that we do. And I think once you are able to present that in a just like a really organized, coherent way. Um, I think people are naturally wowed by that. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. So that you don't have to be perfect at it. It's just basically showing here's what I do. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a boasting or a bragging way. It's just, here's what I do. 
and usually that is enough to impress people and they say oh okay you know you know what you're doing and then they will actually later ask you to join more things and and you naturally will become more of a leader you know that's a great place to start is yeah. the advisory council and it they're already there as we call them the cheerleaders because you've, yeah. you've put the cheerleading squad together you've chosen them and then uh you get some change makers in there and they like you said and, and i think if counselors could get uh the idea that the more you're advocating for yourself and your program the more your the, the benefit goes to the students and right. and if we can wrap that around you know um but it we time and time again we just see counselors and again that advisory council, if you would use it more than just a checklist that I got that done and actually mm -hmm. use it to your benefit and your students benefit, that's a huge leadership opportunity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you might not do it perfectly the very first time, but you know, you keep doing it. You have at least two of those meetings a year. Um, here in Pennsylvania, our state actually, um, they they've put together what's called a template for a K-12 guidance plan. Like we are, our Department of Education right now is really focused on career education and, and counselors are a big part of that. Um, so as part of this plan, they are also saying you need to have advisory council meetings. So you know what, we're, we're doing them all the time, you know, and, and yeah. they really are, they're validating, they're, they just, I don't know, I feel really good after I have one. I know you're really nervous beforehand, but afterwards it's like, oh wow, yeah, they really do understand or they really do want to listen to what I'm, I'm doing and how I'm helping students, they really do. You're right, if you can just jump over that hurdle of, you know, the nervousness, then they right. really are on your team. And yeah. I have found that they're very glad to be invited into the school and to be considered a part of a team to benefit the school. Who doesn't want to help a school? You know, and exactly. just, to, just to be asked to be on my advisory council, it seems like people have been very receptive to that. Mm -hmm. So so that's really good advice. Just have your advisory council meeting. Yeah, just start with that. And yeah. I think naturally from that, um, some of those other leadership roles will just flow from that. You're going to start to get asked to be on certain committees. And if you're not, ask and see if you can be on the committee. Just say, hey, I'm really interested in this. Would, would you mind if I joined it? And, you yeah. know, most of the times they'll say yes because they need people on the committees. So, yeah, absolutely. The more that you can be involved in in the school, the more that they're going to see you as being integral to it, and they're going to be less likely to say, oh, we can get rid of that counselor. They don't do anything anyway, you know? Right. So I think that's that's another big part of being a leader is being seen as someone who's integral to the success of the school and the success of the students within that school, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, along that vein, Amelia, we're talking about um, the advisory council and now we've kind of we're kind of leaning toward uh, developing yourself within the school as a leader what are some things that we can do with our faculty are some ideas to um, distinguish ourselves within the school itself as I am a leader in this school a lot of counselors that we talk to have their you know they have 
issue with, I guess, within the school itself. They're just kind of down the hallway. There's the counselor, but they're not really um, an integral part. So what, what advice can, can you give counselors to be well, involved? I think, I think the first thing is to try to start to become, to be seen as being integral. So instead of, um, I, I need to pull this student out of your class and then the teacher gets mad because it's like, well, why do you have to pull them out of this class? You know, I get that at the high school, especially it's like, yeah. this is calculus. Can't they talk to you some other time? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so what I suggest is approaching the teachers and seeing if there's a way that you can work with them instead of against them or, you know, um, being seen as not really working, doing the same thing for the student. So I mentioned, you know, those, uh, the career education that, that we're really pushing in our state. Um, there are certain career lessons that fit really nicely within the social studies, within math. And maybe just approach the teacher and say, hey, I'd like to teach a lesson today. Would that be okay with you? Here's what it's about. Or um, can you help me out with this lesson? Do you have any resources that I can use? Maybe you guys can end up teaching it together. And I think the more that you do that, the more the teachers are going to see that you're actually there to support them and to supplement what they're doing, not doing something totally separate from what they're doing. That's, that's not what we wanna be seen as. And that's really, that's funny, because that's really one of my visions now as executive director is I want school counselors to be seen as being integral to education and not being separate from education, you know? Right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it like, is. So often we're seen as mental health people that really have nothing to do with education, but school counselors are, I mean, I think if you're taking that approach, that's, that's really the wrong way to go. You really, you are part of the student's educational experience and their educational success. So become a part of it, you know, do something to get into the classroom and, and help the teacher out, you know, even if it's doing a study skills group, ask the teacher, say, hey, do you have some students who are struggling in your math class? Maybe I can take them out and, and I will teach them study skills for three or four weeks. And let's see if that helps them to do better in your class. That's when the teachers are going to be on your side and start supporting what you do, for sure. You are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. That's profound. That's good. That's rubber meets the road stuff. That's that's do what really makes sense and what works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And that speaks to the to the teachers' um, needs. And Kim and I always say that we are counselors to the students, but we're also there to help the teachers to you know yeah. to serve the teachers too. And I don't know, Kim and I were just having a conversation today about how like it truly does make us happy to know that we are relieving some, a small part of the burden of the teachers. Yes. Um, you know, Kim, Kim is doing something different this year and, and really trying to supplement her lessons and, and take the burden off the teachers as best as she can. And my situation is different and I've turned my classroom into kind of a respite area for the teachers when I go into their room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people would say things like, well, we need to be taken care of too. 
<laughs> but I don't know. It is really, it's, it's invigorating whenever you can take care of the teachers and know that you're helping them. And, and I think yeah, things like reciprocal. that. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. Laura. Yes, the more we it is. Give, it's almost like paying it forward. The more I do, I can't outdo them. I mean, I right. can't. And I think that Amelia, we're so part of developing a culture or a contributing to a positive culture in a school that we can't, you can't out give, uh, you get so much more back generally. Yeah. Uh, and I think that speaking to what your thought is, if, you know, going in and saying, I don't have to do that, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a position of, you know, whatever, but being more of that servant attitude sometimes, um, distinguishes you more as a leader, I guess. Well, we always yeah. say you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. And yes. so, <laughs> yep. And there is a philosophy out there called servant leadership so that you lead by serving, you lead by your example, rather than being the person saying, you do this, you do that. It's like, no, I'm doing it. So, hey, do you wanna come along and do it also? So yeah, that, that fits right into the whole concept of school counselor leadership is we are servants and in that way you can be a servant leader for sure. Kim, was I right or was I right about her? <laughs> you were right. It's like she's so much common sense and so uh -huh. much kindness and so yeah, I can see that. So I, we're maybe moving to Pennsylvania. We might yes, be, I don't please. know. <laughs> Come on out. <laughs> So let's talk about, Kim and I use um, National School Counseling Week as a big week to promote our program and advocate, and we feel like that's where we display some leadership skills. Um, where else could we share data? How else could we share data? What types of data do you think are beneficial to share? Just give us a few ideas there. Well, um, <laughs> I have a... I have a funny data story that, um, so I had, I, had, I got to stop you right there, Amelia. <laughs> funny and data. Data don't okay. go together, I know, I know. But, <laughs> but this one was perfect because, um, so I'm gonna go back to advisory council, but I had um, my administrator, he, the one who evaluates me, he was not able to come to my last advisory council meeting and that was the meeting where I showed like, well, here's what I did this year and, um, I was able to show some, some improvements with attendance with the ninth and 10th grade group and also my seniors. Um, so then now, you know, fast forward, it's time for him to evaluate me. And he said something about, I don't use data. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> my last advisory council meeting. But it was, it was perfect because I had a PowerPoint presentation that had all of these statistics in it. And I was like, let me email that to you. He said, yeah, sure, send that to me. And so I had the data ready to go so that when he evaluated me, now he had something to, to base it off of rather than just saying, well, you don't really use that. I'm like, well, yeah, I really do. <laughs> so, so that is another quick and easy way. Like if you have that PowerPoint, even if they can't make it to whatever meeting or presentation you're doing, you can just email it to them or send it to them some other way and say, here it is. When you have time, just take a few minutes and, and look at this piece. And it really shows you what I did. That is a uh, good tip. 
Yeah, it's just like a quick and easy, you have the presentation finished anyway, why yeah. not share it? It doesn't have to just be at your meeting or at a presentation you do for faculty or something That's like that. Good. Just email it out, here you go, whenever you have time. Because we're also pressed for time anyway, you know, you don't want to take up any more of their time if you don't have to. So, yeah. so that's one story there. That's more of that outcome data that ASCA talks about, you know, with your results. It used to be called results data. Um, but then the other data that um, makes more of an emotional impact and what people really tend to remember is that perception data. And now it's called mindsets and behaviors data. So when you can talk about, well, you know, this student said that before my lesson, they really had no idea what they wanted to do with their lives. And now after my lesson, they're ready to go out and they're going to be a firefighter, you know, and, and I help them do that. So those types of stories, that type of data, even though it's not as precise, it does make an emotional impact on people and that's what they tend to remember more. So. So yeah, use both oh, types. Don't just feel like you have to just give all the numbers data. You can give those stories as well, those narrative stories, because people really do connect with those and, and those make an impact as well. Amelia, what do you see, and this may be jumping off the track, but um, where do you see, what is a shift that you've seen in counseling? Um, how do you see our occupation maybe shifting or changing or? Mm -hmm. Well, gosh, it's been 25 years. Um, I never thought I would yeah. have a Google Classroom. Um, so there are a lot of things that I'm seeing now with technology that I never realized before how much it could be helpful to us in our positions. I was always sort of jealous of people that used a lot of technology, but I was like, no, nah, that's not for me, you know? But now I really see the benefit of it and how much more efficient it can make us. So I definitely see that big of a shift. Yeah. I think like this is this is how long I've been counseling. When I first started, I didn't even have email. I mean, I had, I would like type up memos and put a copy of the memo in each of the students, um, the teachers' mailboxes. You know, so we have come a long way in that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. And even back then, there was no ask a model when I first started as a yeah. counselor. So I had to learn all of that. Um, so I think um, there has come more of a structure that we can use yeah. um, in order to be more effective instead of just doing those, I call them random acts of guidance, you know, just kind of whoever <laughs> pops in your office that day, that's who you that's happen good. to talk to, you know. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Rags, random acts of guidance, you know, and, and that's, that's really- That's a new book. That's your yeah. book title, Amelia. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So yeah, so I see us coming from that, from those random acts of guidance to a more systematic, organized way of counseling so that we can reach all of our students and not just the ones that just really, really need us. We have to be there for every student. You know, we can't just be the counselor for this group of 10. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what I was hired to do. So, uh, so part of being a leader is is being able to adapt to change. And sure. uh, when you were talking about the technology, you know, I think it has 
either you move with this change mm -hmm. and you get on board with that or you do get left behind. Yeah. Um, and so, but you know, then there'll be something else and there's something else. But I think just that pliability and I, I am not so set in my ways that, you know, I think a leader has to be willing to flow with, you know, what comes so much. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think anybody in education has to be flexible because education is changing all the time. But that's actually part of what I love about my job is that every day is different. You never, you know, it's even if you plan things out, it doesn't always work out the exact way that you planned it. So every day brings something else. And to me, that's what keeps it interesting. You know, so I really, I really enjoy that part of being a school counselor for sure. I do too. I like that part too, because I told, I told Laura I had plans today and then we had a crisis situation come up. Yep. There that went. So, you yeah. know, you really have to, you really have to be day to day mm -hmm. yes. uh, willing to go with whatever comes because we get, we don't know from day That's to day. Right. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's so, so many stories I'm sure you have of situations that have came up and you just have to go with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, that's true. I will say though, taking on a leadership role and sort of leading your year instead of letting your year lead you. And I know we're only what a month into our school year, Kim, but yeah. I can tell a huge difference this year in yeah the steps that I've taken to make sure that um, that my year is planned out better. You don't want the tail to wag the dog. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, those things come up that, that yeah. aren't in your schedule book. But Kim knows this. The other day, somebody had asked for a time that was not available. And the old me would have run right over there to react to that. But I thought, no my time is valuable. And so very gently and kindly, I said, oh goodness, let's find another time because mm -hmm. you know that, that was for last week's schedule. So let's find a different time. So anyway, mm -hmm. yes. I don't know. It's just kind of um, being proactive in yes. planning, I think is a leadership mm -hmm. skill instead of being reactive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, how can you lead? You're just going to be running after yeah. whatever happens. So you're yeah. not really leading. You're more chasing, you know, so putting out little fires all the time. Yes, and I exactly. Counselors, you can fall into that because mm -hmm. it gives you almost a sense of accomplishment because you're putting out these little fires. But that won't last long until you're completely burnt out and yeah. you really end up with that. You're not you know, you're not meeting those goals, your time gets ate up and mm -hmm. you know, you've got to control, you've got to be so careful to control those things. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Burnout is, is real. It's a real yeah. thing yeah. that all of that um, compassion fatigue, that secondary trauma that we deal with a lot. And if you don't take care of yourself, then you will, you'll just burn out and, and you're not going to love your job anymore for sure. So I think that's part of being a leader too, is, is just knowing how to set those boundaries and then sticking with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, talk to the counselor who might be listening to this thinking, this sounds great, but I'm stuck in rotation. I'm stuck in the specials rotation. My principal won't listen to me. You know, talk to somebody that may be feeling like they are in a stuck 
situation when it comes to being a leader? Well, I would say take one step at a time. Don't try to do everything all at once and change the system all at once because especially in education, things don't move as quickly as we would like them to. Education, things take time. You know, there's policy, there's things like that. Um, I would say if the principal's not listening to purposefully try to set a time with that person, with the principal and say, hey, I really would like to sit down with you and talk about um, my role and what I'm doing. Um, that is part of the annual administrative conference you should be having anyway. But I think the more um, data you can bring to that meeting, instead of just saying, well, I have this and I have this and, and letting it turn into like a complaining session, um, it's better to say, well, look, here's how many classrooms I've been going into and here's how much time of my day is taken up just on this and I don't really have enough time to do this. And you're the principal, so you tell me what is your priority, and if there's something that I can be helping you with, I would love to be able to do that. Um, and I think the better, the more prepared you are going into that meeting and letting them know, you know, here's what I should be spending my time on, but I'm really not, um, I think they're gonna be more apt to listen to you than rather than you just going in there and complaining like that's that's really not going to get you anywhere <laughs> so um i think yeah, that's so the best place to start yeah and make sure you schedule a time that isn't super crazy either <laughs> like maybe first thing in the morning or you know when it's not so you know where he's or he or she is taken away because of some crisis or whatever so right. yeah well, I would like to say, Pennsylvania, you all did a great job in selecting your executive director. Yeah. Um, I am just so impressed. I was impressed with you the day that we talked on the phone and just the fact that you're, you're talking about something that not a lot of people talk about. And it's sort of, I feel like it gets lost sometimes in everything that counselors have to do. We forget about why we're doing it. And yeah. you touched on that. But um, I'm just, I'm blown away. Kim? You <laughs> uh, you're right. This isn't something that we talk a lot about. Um, we talk about um, all the check-offs that we want to get right with ASCA, but this is a biggie that if you cannot establish or, or, or don't feel like you are a leader, then it's so hard to advocate for your kids. It's so hard to get the time that you need, where you need it. So I right. think that's that's a huge, a huge part. And so we've really not unpacked that with anybody on our podcast. So yeah, I, I think this was a good, a good thing to remind people. We talk a lot about branding, Amelia. We mm -hmm. brand. We we do brochures. We do uh, t-shirts. We do. <laughs> Uh, business cards because we want that to give out have those things to pass out to the community and to leaders in the community so that we know who, who they know who we are because we're doing that for our students because they have they have money sometimes or they have sure. other talents and things that we can use mm -hmm. but uh, gosh Amelia I can't imagine a more difficult time to start a new job <laughs> yeah, in addition to my regular job. So, and yeah, can I just people... say that 
When you said this is your 26th year, I would have guessed that you are 26. I hate her. Look at her. I shouldn't say that. That is not what school counselors say. But it's so southern. It's such a southern thing to say. You are so beautiful. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't know what to say, but thank you. Um, I don't know. I guess I just, I love what I thank do. You. So it keeps me young. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you do. You look very, very young. Um, oh. So thank you so much. Thank you so oh, much. No, thank you. Oh. Thank you, Kim, Laura. It was wonderful to meet you. And I, I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity to talk to you. And and like I said, anytime I can be with people who get it, like my people, it, it's it's a wonderful chance to to just talk. And so I really appreciate you just having me on today. Well, we hope so to meet much. you in person one day. Yes, maybe it, yes, maybe absolutely. It and we'll just be the little peons going, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> <a big> wig. <laughs> no, no. Again, that's that that was very strange for me when when I was on the ASCA board and, and people knew who I was. And I'm like, how do they know me? You know, it's still very like I just I'm not that type of leader. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> and we it love you for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very like Kim who has to advertise that she's a leader everywhere she goes. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, thank you again for being with us. You know what we haven't done in a while? I can't imagine what we've not done in a while. A lot of things. I haven't done in a while. There are a lot of things. Please don't get into that. But okay. Um, Actually, what I was going to say is we we haven't done a pick of the week. I'd like to call it story of the week. Can I change midstream? Yeah, let's do a story of the week. Okay. I want Would you, you like to start? No, you tell yours. Okay. So I just read a story, and I'm going to share this. It's about Vanderlei Delima, and that's. I don't even know if I'm saying his name. I'm guess no. Vanderlee. <laughs> Vanderlee, if you're listening, we're very... We apologize right now. Vanderlee D. Limo. No, I still think it's Lima. This is, was a Brazilian man. And he, I don't know. This was 2004 Olympics. So, no, no, no. Yep, oh, yep. Boy. He's still living. But... Uh, why would he not be living? I was like, 2004? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know? So anyway, um, I don't know if you remember this story or not, but he was like 119 pound, small, under like five foot, maybe four inches or something. And he was running in the Olympics and he was winning with only three miles to go he was accosted by a spectator. Is it accosted? I think it's accosted. <laughs> <laughs> he was accosted. He was accosted. <laughs> I think I've lost the moment. I am story. This so sorry story. for Vanderly that we cannot make it through his very serious story. He was accosted. It just doesn't sound right to me. He was attacked. There you go. He was attacked by a spectator. Is it spectator? <laughs> it is spectator. Uh, and 
he lost, of course, he was thrown off the track. He was attacked. He gets back up. He gets back on the track. And of course, he's lost his momentum. He's lost his rhythm. But he doesn't give up. And he finishes this race. Not only does he finish this race, of course, he was would have won. Now he has a bronze medal. But instead of being dejected and defeated, he came into that Olympic arena with fist pounding, arms out like an airplane, like he's going to land that little body of his right up on that podium. And he, you know, his words were, it was such an audit, it was such a great moment that he didn't want to lose, let anybody or anything steal that moment from him. So he looked at it, he took the, what anyone else probably would have taken, or most would have taken as a negative. He lost the gold, but he just saw it as I meddled and for my country, and I'm not going to lose this moment that will, you know, may never come again. And, you know, I just like this story because how many times in life, Laura, does somebody come along and knock us down? We're going along and it can be sickness. It could be family problems. It can be, you know, just school related issues, whatever. And, and our kids have these same issues, you know, they're running along through life and, and, you know, they're dealing with cancer, they're dealing with the death of a parent or whatever, you know, so we don't know what life holds, but to have that spirit of a going to try it again, Fandelay Dilemma, I think that's su such a great gift. And that story just spoke to me, and I wanted to share that. That was really good. It, I, I read this story from Max Licato's book called Everyday Decides with Chance, and it's that, that was Hope for Catastrophic Days. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, I have a story for you. Okay. And I heard this on national news, but it just so happens it is an Alabama story. Um, there is a police officer who found himself in need of a kidney. Have you heard this story? I have not. Okay. Well, he As found you know, I'm taking a news fast. I did not know that. I'm not watching news. You don't share parts of your life with me. And that's hurtful. Um, yeah. Well, should I just tell this story to the audience then and not to you? Do you want to plug your ears? No, I'll listen to this story. Okay. All right. So this police officer in Phil Campbell, Alabama, mm -hmm. he um, found himself in need of a kidney. And just, I guess, due to his age and different circumstances, the doctors said that it would be about seven or eight years before he would even be considered for the donation list or to receive a kidney off the donator list. All of a sudden, someone pops up perfect match and donates a kidney to him. And it is a woman who he had arrested multiple times. And she donated her kidney to him and gave him another shot at life. And he just talks about how humbling it was to have this lady who uh, he had arrested for opioid addiction multiple times but she has since obviously turned her life around and now she runs a nonprofit um, for other women that have been addicted to um, drugs and alcohol. And so anyway, I just think, man, like I've got chill bumps right now, just thinking about that story and 
you know, things that seem hopeless sometimes you see these and we definitely deal with these families and, um, you know, maybe some people even have family members and different people that struggle with things. And to me, you just mentioned something about hope, a story of hope. That to me is a story of hope that look what can happen. And think about how we interact with people. Maybe we dismiss yeah. people or we think they're past help. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we judge on appearance and, and, you know, to think that they may turn around one day and save our lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think of that little fella that comes to school nasty and dirty yeah. and has a, you know, just, and you think he's never going to amount to anything. I hope no counselor would think that about his child, but you know, sometimes you just can't see how's this ever going to work out. You yeah. just don't know. So it is, I love to share stories like this that we know of that we see on the news and we read about that we can share, we have to be careful, but we can share with students because it, it makes those connections. So yeah. I hope those two are two stories. I don't know, you might better check out how to spell Dilemma's name, Dilemma's name, 2004 Olympics. I'm embarrassed. I'm let's embarrassed. Talk about, um, let's talk about what's coming up. We have a big episode coming up and I want our listeners to be ready. Be this ready. is going to be huge. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, that's okay. But if you ever thought about subscribing, now might be the time because you'll get a notification when this episode hits and several that follow because I don't want to throw out too many spoilers here, but, um, but let me just say, Laura, we don't get paid for you subscribing. <laughs> no, we're not making this. No, no, this is just we helping other counselors. But what we got coming up, I think is going to help everybody. We are talking to someone from Shared Hope International, and that is an organization that um, has done a lot for human trafficking, and they are going to be talking to us about what school counselors can do to be just watching out for it, because it can happen to anyone, and they're going to share some stories with us about just everyday girls, everyday people that you would never have suspected were caught up in that and were victims of human trafficking. So be ready to listen or watch that episode because I think it's going to be huge for educators in general, not just school counselors. Yeah, you might want to share this one with other educators and they have a lot of resources yeah. that, um, so uh, there's a lot of things that we can do as school counselors and educators to get involved. Uh, they're going to show us some things about our own states or how we can look at our own states, see what kind of job we're doing and just some resources. But it is that what, just in talking with her and preparing for this, um, this is going to be amazing. You don't yeah. want to miss. Kim, your hair looks so great and your lip color is fantastic. Well, you know, I've had the mask on and you know, I have the mask shame. and the what mask to cover that up. It is such a shame. And then the, I also wear the shield. So I have all, I look like a beekeeper. And then, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess. And then it's, I just whip some lipstick on because I'm like, mm, that's been all white. Every, there's all makeup and everything's gone from all the various levels of masks. Well, if you guys aren't watching this and you're just listening, you're missing a real treat. I'd like to say you're missing a blessing. You're missing a blessing. <laughs> I think we're done here. I think, I think we've been done. I, we've been done.